You're listening to It Takes Time, a podcast created to inspire a community of intellectual and spiritual conversations that will sometimes make you laugh, sometimes make you feel uncomfortable, but most of all, the purpose of It Takes Time is to make you think. And I'm honored to be your host, Albi Alawoya. Today, I've been having mixed emotions. I've been really wanting to be diligent. I had a great conversation with a friend this week. Um, and the the words that I took from that conversation was consistency and persistency. And I think it has a lot to do with a bunch of different areas of my life. So it has to do with everything that's going on in the world um, as far as my thoughts and feelings towards the protest. Um, I think that consistency and persistency has to do with that. Um, as far as being tactical in that realm, um, as far as me being consistent in this podcast page that I'm really honored to be a part of because it makes me so inspired to have a platform to have shared conversation with so many people that I would honestly not have conversations with, um, if it was not for this platform, so I really appreciate that as well as just getting myself, getting my life together. As I mentioned in my last episode, what do you do when you're a nothing can stop me season? And so it's constantly, it's a continuation of that conversation, but that wasn't what I wanted to talk about for this episode. But so much has been on my plate. It's been hard. It's not that I'm not inspired. I'm super inspired every single day. Like I think I've been, I I wake up extremely grateful to wake up um, regardless, but I've been super inspired every day that I wake up to do something as soon as I open my eyes. However, I've been, I've had such a heavy heart, honestly. I wanted this to be a fun, upgoing, loving episode, and I didn't want to just focus in on everything that's going on because I'm sure that we've all been bombarded with information and um, stuff about what's going on, whether you want to see it or not consistently. However, I'd be remiss to not talk about it because it's, it's honestly, it's overwhelming for me. And a week that honestly changed my life was that was when Aubrey died, Michael died and Brianna Taylor. So with that being said, I'd like to give an open letter to say that that is what we're going to be talking about at least for a few moments on this episode we might have a little bit of fun but at least for a few moments on this episode we will um be talking about that because i've been having some really strong feelings about it um especially in regards to a lot of conversations that i've been having with people so i will say for me this is my whole life i felt black like i've i mean i'm i'm darker skinned so especially for me and my family even Growing up as an only child, I've had extended family that I've created, that my mother and I have created through friendships. I'm usually, I was the darkest one. Um, And it wasn't, I never felt, I I always felt singled out, Um, but I never felt bad about it. My mom always called me her chocolate angel. So I always associated my chocolate with angel. I'm angelic, baby. I don't know what you're talking about. So, um... But this time right now is the blackest I've ever felt. And I I feel so aware of it. I'm aware that other, I'm aware what that others see it. And I'm conscious, like I've never been conscious of 
my blackness in the eye of someone else. And my mom, I was telling her this the other day and I was telling her when I was in university, one of my favorite classes was sociology. And once I got the education to understand that it wasn't called paranoia, because that was what my mom told me it was. Um, when I was telling her this a few days ago, she was like, girl, you're just paranoid. But I understood, I was able to understand that it's not just paranoia, that these are actual terms, that these are things that that are systemic in our oppression, that people, that, that you become aware of the gaze of, you, of, of who you are. And I think that anybody that is of color can associate with that and you don't have to just be black. So right now, on top of everything, and so the death of those three people, um, brought back a lot of emotions for me because um back in 2019 the same almost the same thing that happened to Breonna Taylor it happened to a girl named Tatiana Jefferson and a little bit about her she was in the house playing video games with her nephew um it was later in the night um her neighbor called to check called a police officer to check on her because she didn't he didn't know what was going on and instead of checking the police ended up shooting and killing her in her home and so Fast forward to this year when all three of those people passed away in the same week. And then Brianna's Taylor was killed in her bed and her boyfriend was taken in to custody. For me, I felt, I felt numb. I felt numb with all the way we're going about this is not, is not what's going to, it's not going to fix things because we've been protesting. Um, we've tried to be peaceful. And so for me, it was the first moment that I felt, I felt a little bit helpless. I felt like everything that I've been doing, no matter what, I, I wasn't, I was able to see myself. It was like my world became this huge, like when you're in a movie and it pans all the way out and the people on the screen become a little speck. That was how I felt. I felt like I had become a little speck on a system and I had been spinning my wheels and working so hard to accomplish all of these goals of entrepreneurship and doing all of these things. And then only to realize once again that I live in capitalism and this system was designed to oppress me. And even even my goals were not aligned with breaking this system. It was only feeding and paying into a system that does not care about me. So I felt helpless and I felt, and I couldn't put it into words until right now today, until I'm saying this right now, because I, I, it took me having so many conversations and I just told my mom today, she was having a conversation with someone that wasn't of color that was sharing their thoughts and opinions. And my mom got really upset because she said that the person was saying that what her opinion was, wasn't true. And my mom was really upset because she's like, you're not even black. How are you going to tell me about my black experience or about what a black man thinks and you're not black? And um, although I completely understand my mom's feelings, and I feel like every, every black person has said or has felt like that. At the same time, and I'm not being devil's advocate. At the same time, what I was thinking is that more than ever, each and every one of us, People of color, people, white supremacists, white people, everybody in between, um, politicians. I think that we have an opportunity here right now while this is on the world state, on the world's platform to really just be students of life. More so 
pointing the finger judgment, trying to pound some information into somebody's head. Because I feel like for myself, even as a black woman that has been experiencing, that has been told her whole life, you're pretty for a dark skin girl. I don't, I, people have made a joke out of that, but I don't think people really understand how that feels for people to say that. Like for me, I already know what type of boys, what type of things to do because I'm dark skinned. Like, you know what I mean? And it, it's really, it's crazy to think that I, that I just thought that was how things were. That, that I didn't push the conversation further when people would say things like that to me or when like how, how horrible I feel about my hair sometimes. Like I don't have baby hair. Okay. So like <laughs> all of those things. And so for me, it's just even being a black woman in this moment, it's been so much more of an opportunity to be a student of life. And so when people are saying like, when people were, were putting on Instagram, like, don't ask me how to understand my black experience, read a book. I feel like we should all be reading books because there's so much more that we can learn. Like even if you're going to a protest and speaking your, and like saying your piece, that's important, but we are at war. So it's also important to be tactical because no matter what you do, whether the police is kneeling with you or not, they're not our friends. They're not on our side. They can come to your house and be doing a wellness check and kill you. And then, or they can come to your house without a warrant, kill you and take the person that was protecting you into custody. So I just, I, I feel that th this is just an opportunity for us all to be much more students rather than pointing the finger. And with that being said, I just, it, it makes me, it, it, I try to be inspired to do all of the things in the world, like continue doing my my entrepreneurial um, goals and, and setting things up. And obviously I'm still doing that, which I'm super excited. I set my goals daily. However, it's, it's with doing a check on myself and making sure that are these goals feeding into a capitalism system that a capitalistic system that you don't support what are you doing? Like in order to create a revolution, it takes structure and it takes planning and it takes intentions. And as my, as I said in my last episode, if I'm in a nothing can stop me season and I'm being intentional, that means in this as well. So I just like to shout out hella black podcast because the recent episode, episode 76, um, to be exact, you, it's a, it's a must listen to one of my friends recommended it to me and they they pushed me even further um to question even like so much more in this moment so if you don't listen to their whole episode if you even if you listen to the last literal two minutes of their episode it really is the gist of my thoughts right now and it's just that and they said something in the ballpark of if <laughs> in a in a i in not in the ideal world but in an imaginary world if all white people all white supremacists all the people that are oppressing us were abolished today we still have systemic racism we still have classism we still have homophobia we still have ableism so the problem is bigger than just and not to not to minimize anything but it's bigger than just the protests and like i said earlier it we're at war so in order to win a war you have to be tactical you have to start thinking about guerrilla warfare and you have to be systematic because that's why you'll see on Instagram a picture of people saying, oh, the police are kneeling. But then in two seconds later, the whole crowd getting tear gassed and attacked by police. This is tactic warfare. And 
I just feel like, I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel right now. Like I said, overwhelmingly so, I'm so aware of my blackness. Like when I'm in the grocery store, right now I live in a town that is predominantly white. So when I'm at the grocery store, you have the white people that even with their mask on, they're like trying to show me that they're smiling like, hi. And then you have literally today, two white people driving behind me, one in the passenger seat, one in the, one in the driver, both of them flicking me off throughout their window. And I was just like, for me, it was a moment of just humble. Like, honestly, I could have been upset. I could have been angry. But honestly, I was humbled because for me, it was like, yes, I could take this as that's super racist. They saw they saw that I was black and that's why they're flipping me off. But then again, they probably didn't see that I was black. And with everything that's going on in the world, even if I did, first of all, I wasn't paying attention to you. I was in the car listening to my new future going up. So it's like, even if I did accidentally cut you off, every fucking thing that's going on, excuse me, I was trying not to curse anymore. You flick me off? Like... I don't know. To me, it was just like, wow, we're over here fighting for 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 racism and systematic um, systematic oppression, and we can't even get simple human decency. Like it, it's 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 crazy. So I think that for me, I'm humbled in this moment, and I'm just doing a lot more listening than speaking because I do see in this moment. Although we are on the world stage, I don't want it to be a trend. I don't want my blackness to be a trend. I have to live in this skin. Like, I don't want it to be something that people think that they understand because they marched. Like, I don't want it to be something that goes away. I don't want this to be a hashtag ender. This is something that I have to live in. These are realities that are real to me. And it wasn't new. George Floyd passing away wasn't the first time this happened. This was just... Um, three months of the entire world sitting at home and now able to see this put into their their face and you know what um funny enough when trump got elected um rick ross of all people he said something that honestly has stuck with me these last four years and he said i'm not upset that trump got elected because in order to build you have to destroy the old and so one thing like that's why I feel a bit of helplessness as well as inspiration is because one thing that's true is that throughout this four years he hasn't made America great but one thing that has been that has been able to happen because he is unapologetically unapologetically an asshole just for lack of better words um Things have been put on the forefront. People can't hide behind, I don't see color, I'm colorblind, or all of these things. You have his economic advisor who thinks that there's no such thing as systematic oppression. We would have never heard that from any other presidency because they were hiding behind some some curtain of, I don't, I can't say those things. So at least I think for, for right now, we get to see that these are the monsters that are really behind us. And so... I feel more confident, like I said before, in, in doing the research for myself and even choosing my goals, choosing the way I conversate and being more, because honestly, I have to be honest, when I grew up, like I'm African, my father, is, I'm first generation American. My father immigrated here from Nigeria and my mother, her, my grandmother immigrated here from Cuba and my mother is first generation American. And so for me, even in this moment, why I said I'm such a student is because I knew it. But when I looked at a timeline and saw that my mom was born 
while segregation was still existing, it made sense when people asked me, how are you Cuban and you don't speak Spanish? Well, my mother was, she was brown and her mother spoke Spanish. She couldn't do that. Who are you in America? We're still trying to figure out who people are in America in 2020, let alone during segregation. So for me, it's just, it's such an overwhelming moment of humbleness. I'm, I'm enraged at times, but I'm also humbled because the purpose of it takes time is understanding that things take time. So for me, in at every pillar of 2020, I have had an earth shattering understanding. And so I had built this life for myself for 26 years in thinking that success was not that it was a straight arrow, but that I was promised success at some point. However, now looking at and understanding the systematic, like for, for some reason, I just thought systematic racism was the industrial prison system. I just thought that was what it was. But now understanding and seeing the leaders of these corporations and how they spend their dollars and what actually is behind it. That's what I was saying earlier. When I was younger, being African, you would see these kente cloths and you'd see these Pan-African studios. Or I grew up in Lamert Park and you have these concentrated um, areas, areas of people that are pro-black. And it's almost like pop culture kind of shuns them. It's like, like we almost say they're not cool enough. But for the first time in my life, I'm like, here they were trying to feed us the medicine that will fix this oppression. But we were so enticed by the classism that we can get in this oppression that we could, at least if we were going to be oppressed, we could be a little bit better than somebody else. And it's almost the same thing that whites have, like that low income whites have, have adopted throughout this system that we'll go into in other episodes, um, which is how the, which is how the real estate market started booming in America so much. And so Really understanding, I guess, I've made excuses for it. And my excuses didn't sound like excuses. So now I'm just at a place where I'm perplexed. So I've gone on much longer than I wanted to having this conversation because I, I suppose it just, I needed to get it off my chest so that maybe I can feel like I can have a conversation about something else. Um, I don't think this is the last of it. I'm positive that there's so much more because... This is just the tip of the iceberg. This is not even the tip. This is the air above the tip. <laughs> so um, I really appreciate you all for tuning in. And this episode ended up being much longer than I wanted to rambling on. Um, please like, comment, um, subscribe. Please let me know your feedback. The purpose of this is to continue the conversation with me, with yourself, in your groups. In conclusion, thank you for listening. Today, my emotions are all over the place. And the biggest takeaways for me is understanding that this isn't a one fix solution. And oppression is so ingrained into each and every one of us in America so deeply that this is the first time in this country's history that a magnitude of people domestically and abroad are taking a stand. But a part of me is still infuriated by the people that think the small acts of kindness during during a time of police kneeling 
is the light at the end of the tunnel that black people deserve. No. Protests are needed and it is an, and it is an essential tactic. But to incite a revolution, strategy is what must be at the forefront. And like the, the homies from Hella Black podcast mentioned, I think we're a long way from that. And a revolution is really what we're after anyways, right? So part of this is understanding for myself that this is the real definition of shit is going to take time. So with that being said, I'd like to dedicate this episode to my brother Shaquille Pra, who's fighting his fighting for his life right now. And what jail are you in, brother? Oh my god! Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> huh? What jail are you in? Oh, downtown. He's in downtown twin the Twin Towers, right? You said what? The Twin Towers. Well, nonetheless, he's in jail right now with. A crazy ass bell fighting a case that he doesn't deserve. So I'd like to dedicate this episode to my brother, who I love. Do you want to say something? Oh, you, man. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm about to come home soon, man. This, this shit ain't gonna last forever, man. You hear me? This shit only temporary, man. You hear me? Okay. They gonna be home real soon. We love you, and we we will see you soon, brother. Tune in next week.